0: been away since I had one late. I basically stopped doing them because I was very, very busy. I couldn't find a half hour in my day to talk utter nonsense. But a lot's happened in that month. A lot has gone on. Uh, like Like i done TV. Sorry for clattering about here and room's for cleaning while I'm doing this. Uh I done the T V thing. Uh I was on the blame game. <laughs> on the telly. Uh something that I always set it off to do and would do one day. Uh still can't believe I actually got to do it though. It was great crack, it was great crack. Uh the four lads on that are just legends, Uh the whole day. They all just looked out. They all, all just everyone, everyone just looked out for the whole day. It was perfect, for the couldn't I couldn't have asked for better from anybody involved in. Uh, just, you know. Just you know, we looks, we reassuring, you know, ty you've got this, you'll be fine. Because to be honest with you, I was bricking. Uh like properly bricking it. Because it's only in things, if you make it balls of it, that's it. I think you only get one shot at those things. Uh so hopefully I've done enough Philom they asked me to come back one day. Uh his phone, who's this? Fucking Facebook. Okay, what's your birthday? Uh I hopefully done enough for him to ask me back one day. Uh because that was the thing. I didn't want to just go and do it. I wanted to go and do it well. That was the whole that was the whole thing go and do it, and do it well, and do yourself justice, which I think I've done, I think I've done, I watched the part, uh, and it was weird, because I've never, I've never been shitting myself about a gig I've already done, because one of them was I made sure I was gigging on the Friday night, uh, my mate Darren Matthews gave me a gig, in And Newry-ish, uh, and I went on stage, bang on half times, I was when the programme was starting, and I was I was, I was getting nervous, because, yeah, the recording had gone well, that was great crack, you don't know what it's going to look like on the TV. Listen to me, all TV speak. You don't know what's going to come across on, on the small screen. <laughs> but, so I was nervous about it. So I am told everyone else to watch it, and then let me know if I should watch it. And the first message I got was uh, from a friend of mine saying, watch it, you were fine. Uh, then my wife texted me, she says, said, oh, I was brilliant, but you said something about my mother. I did that I wasn't happy about Uh And... Everyone was going, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. well done, well done, well done, watch, 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 i home and I watched it, but I got drunk first. Right, I had a couple of beers and then sat down. And I watched it as me watching me on TV, being very, very analytical. And normally I rip everything I do to pieces. Like I consider what I'm doing right now to be shite and no one should listen to it. Uh, and I watched it and I picked a few wee holes it and then I just sat back and went, do you know what, Ty, for once in your life, just sit back, look at something you've done and be proud of yourself. And that's what it was, I looked and I went, you know what, I'm actually proud of myself, I'm proud that I've done that. Uh, and it was brilliant. It was just brilliant. So that was great, and then it goes to show you how fickle a bunch comedy fans are, because uh, at that point, on the Wednesday night, we recorded on the Wednesday night, it went in on the Friday, on the Wednesday night, I had my own show, uh, that was sort of... A work in progress, but I didn't tell the people buying tickets for a tenner that it was a work in progress. Uh, turns out it's not a work in progress, it's a work. I'm, I was quite happy with how the show, because I was because right, that's the show, I was doing on show the Friday after the blame game I did on the TV. So, on the Wednesday at the recording, I had sold eight tickets. Eight. Face turned up on the TV, come the Friday at the actual gig, I'd sold 70 tickets. You tell me, fickle bunch. And um, again, must say thank you to uh, Mr. Murphy and O'Kane who retweeted that gig and gave it a wee promote for me as well. That would have helped no end. Um, to the guys at Q Radio who promoted it and the guys at at News who promoted it, and to Darren Matthews for warming up for me. It was brilliant. And like I say, I was working progress in that to an extent. And then I come off stage, and I do you know what? That's that's just tighten up one or two of the wee stories. And that's a good sixty seventy minute show. You know, normally the sixty seventy minute show, you can feel a wee dip. You know what I mean? You don't lose the audience, but you can feel the audience reach a point where they're even sort of going, nah, "I'll chill out for five months." I didn't get that during this show. Uh, I thought maybe it was just me, but we asked a couple of people who were after so you know, No, 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 okay, that was solid throughout. So, so we've got a show. It's always nice to discover you have and you actually have a show. So it's called Time McHugh. Says things. And I will be touring that, hopefully, mm, I don't know, because I've got I've got a big tour coming up with someone else. January February January February of next year. I don't know if to say who. January, February of next year. And then so that leaves me six months there and I don't so probably next year. I'll probably go around with that next year. I think next year will be the time when I should then sort of a right time to, to bite the bullet, book a bunch of theatres and see what happens. you know what I mean? Because it's all very well and good going down in your own hometown. you know what I mean? It's when you decide. you know what, I'm gonna go further afield and give this a rattle. Uh, won't be doing the town I live in though I've come to that decision uh, for various reasons which I will not I will not go into because it'll be a bit shitty. Uh, so that show went well, the TV went well Iron Maiden went to see the Iron Maiden concert. <laughs> uh, went with my good friend Paddy, who knows the band. He was worked along with the band. I, I think he was Nico's drum tech for a couple of tours. So he always gets his VIP passes for these things. So you know, turn up the Dublin VIP pass for Iron Maiden. You know, and then and the VIP pass, you, know, you can sit in the VIP bar. You can go around. You know, but we always end up in the audience because like that's where you that, that's why you go to these things. So I was standing in the audience and he had to go and he went right away to do something. So I think he went out the back, he was going to the back to chat to the band. I was like, oh, can I stay here? I've got to paint them happy days, you know, leave me to it. And I was standing there making my own business in an, in an air-made audience just before the gig was starting. You know that sort of before a gig starts, there's like the lull and you can sort of hear the buzz of the crowd and all. You're just standing there and just looking around me, the lights are on, and it's crowd. The next thing, this guy comes walking over me goes, you're your boy, Terry, what's the crack? Shoot my hand and says, I've seen you on the TV the other night. Like you were brilliant. I was like, oh my God. And it was the most surreal moment of my life. I don't I don't I don't need fame or to be recognised or want that really. I just want to be able to go tell jokes, make a comfortable living, and you know, be funny and do something to enjoy doing. Uh you know, I'm not one of these people who's desperate to be known. But this guy and kind of, and the thing was, it was like, here I am in a crowd of like 50, 60,000 people, and you recognize me and you're here to see our And he was talking about, I was chatting about him, lovely fella, Marty, he called him Great Lad. And uh, I was talking to him, and this other girl, and so he goes, Oh, there's him off the TV. When oh, we speak to him? So I started speaking to her. She and her husband were from Fermanagh. I was talking for about five minutes, and then she uh, proceeded to pour cider down her top and, and came out with a beautiful line. She goes, Oh, Jesus, I've got cider on me tits. And it, I, I don't know what to say to that. Like, you used to go Right, lovely. Lovely Yes, cider on your boobs. That's lovely. cider boobs. Yes, I'm gonna And then my mate came back and I was like, Oh here's all these people I've just met and I introduced them all and he was like, Oh do you know these people? I was like, I don't know fuck clue who they are. I says but he's Marty and she's got cider on her boobs. <laughs> and I enjoy the concert guys and off you went. But it was a great night. Uh I made them were phenomenal. As they always are. They put on a hell they a- they put on a stage show that makes what you two do look like a really bad Punch and Duty. Like, at Maiden R when it comes to putting on a show, there's nobody like them. There is nobody like them. Uh, and that's the thing, I've got a gig now. I'm going to a show on Saturday. This is Thursday the 25th of May. 2017. It's by the way, it's the 50th anniversary of Glasgow Celtic and the Lisbon Lions winning the European Cup, becoming the first British team to lift the big cup. Uh, That entire team of 11 players, 10 of them came, were born and grew up within a 9 mile radius of Celtic Park. One of them came within a 30 mile radius. So basically you had a team of local boys within 30 miles of the stadium conquering Europe. I mean? And these guys weren't on... Fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety grand a week. They weren't, you know, they didn't drive about in f- flash cars and, and have the, you know, the the perfect model wife. That that you know, none of that shit. These were just eleven lads from Glasgow, who and they didn't just win the thing. They played like on the the actual final. They had forty two attempts on goal. Right, and that's against the Inter Milan side, who were renowned for being very defensive and you know just what's the word. Busy not letting their opponents play, Celtic nailed and and, uh, their keeper. I've watched the full match. The full match I watched the full game, and uh, their keeper had the game of his life. Some of the saves this man was pulling off right after. it, it was like an Italian Andy gorum uh, It's a reference only Celtic fans will get, probably. Uh, but they were, and that's why and see, that's the, that's why I support Celtic. I see these dickheads running about in Celtic shirts, throwing bricks at the Peters. Like, why do you support Celtic? Because I'm a Finian. Right, them kind of Because I'm a Catholic, and that's what you have to do. You support Celtic when you're a Catholic. Obviously, I support like Liverpool and Manchester United too, because, like, you know, you need to have an English team, because I'm such a Finian. You know what I mean? No, them dicks. I f- and hate them pricks. Uh, I have no time for them. Uh, I, you know, and they give the likes of me and other Celtic supporters a bad name. Because th- when I started supporting Celtic, I, I didn't know what a Catholic was. To be honest... I knew what a Fenian was, but I didn't know what a Catholic was. <laughs> That's not true. I didn't know what a Catholic was, you know, I didn't know anything about religion. I didn't know there was Protestants or Loyalists or Unionists or any of that nonsense. I didn't know any of that stuff. The reason I support Celtic is because I was six or seven and I'm with my dad. With, with dad was, I was I, I was sitting in the back of the car singing a song that i made up. I was going, Celtic are rubbish, Celtic are rubbish, Celtic are rubbish. And after my dad had beat the shit out of me, he he didn't beat the shit out of him. Um, But that really said any time, he says, What do you mean Celtic rubbish? Celtic, the guy rubbish. He went, no son, he says, I'm gonna tell you a tale. And we me and him were in the car, I don't know where my mum was. She was in a she was in a house or something. I don't know where she was or what she was doing. We were outside a house, I think I remember. And uh but dad and he started telling me about he says, Right, Celtic, nine in a row, the the Lisbon lines, eleven guys from thirty miles of the stadium. Never been done before, never been done since. Right, he told me all about the nine in a row years when Celtic won nine league titles in a row. Uh he told me about Jock Steen. He told me about the fact that Celtic was set up because Brother Walford went across to Glasgow to st- and then he set the club up to help feed poor people in Glasgow and stuff. And he just, this lovely, that sort of, Jock Steen was the manager. That sort of Jock Steen there, it, there's a real mythical sort of fairy tale kind of, like people going about, oh, Leicester, one of them, hang on, but like, well. It only cost them £60 million for their... £60 million for their to fuck off. That, that Lisbon Nine story is a proper, you know, fairy tale fucking sporting great story. I mean, the Leicester thing's good too, you know, but it's not as good as our thing. Yeah. I told him about that and I remember saying to about that yet. Went, I'm going to support Celtic now. And that was it and I've supported them ever since. And like I say, those boys will support Celtic because I'm like really Irish as fuck. They can piss off. You know what I mean? I am so fucking Irish that I love, uh, team and Liverpool. It's it's balls. And I know, and and there's Rangers men. I got there's Rangers men on about going. I support Rangers because I hate Catholics. They actually have a song now. We hate Catholics. Uh, everybody hates Roman Catholics. It's, it's, and you know what? You know, the only thing about that song is it's kind of got kind of a catchy tune, right? As does the Sais, which is their other song I they Got to admit, the Sais is catchy. Do, 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 do. It's, you know, you hear that, you want to fucking march. You know, I don't care who you are. You hear the sax, it's like fucking marching time. But, <laughs> but there's Rangers men like that, you know, oh, I hate the Catholics, that's why I support Rangers. But there's more Rangers men who support Rangers because obviously their fathers have told them about the time Rangers got to the... I think it was the Cup Winners Cup Final. And it was the EFA Cup Final. No, it was the Cup <laughs> Cup final, yeah, the Cup <laughs> Cup final in 1967 as well. They get beat because they're rubbish, but they're in the final. And they won some European thing in Barcelona and one time. It was, and they have been told their stories, and that's why they support Rangers. And them's the good fans. The lunatics. The don't I hate Catholics. I hate Protestants. I hate Finian. Right, those people, they can fuck off. And the people that come out for four days, four days a year to watch Celtic play Rangers, the same people they can piss off to. So they can. Anyway, i was saying <clears throat> this is Thursday, the 25th of May. Uh and on Saturday the twenty-seventh of May I'm going to a show. I'm going to a show that I've wanted to, that I've dreamt of since I was twelve possibly younger. No twelve. <coughs> Excuse me. When I was twelve I have wanted to go to this I've, because there was a gig in slain when I was twelve. Twenty five years ago. The cook among you now know how old I am. There was a show in Slain 25 years ago that my cousin went to, and he told me all about it. And I was like, why Why am I so young? Why am I not old enough to go to these gigs? And then that band split up very acrimoniously. It's a word for the week on the podcast. Acrimonious. Uh, they split up very acrimoniously, and they vowed never to get back together again. And I was like... And I. I Honestly, from I was 15, 16, I went, I want to see this band live. And people go, going, Not in your lifetime, Terry, but I want to see this band live. And then this band got back together, started a tour called Not in This Lifetime Tour, and they're coming to Slane Castle. And I'm getting to go with my kid brother on Saturday to see Guns N' Roses, and I cannot fucking wait, right? But they're gonna have to go all out to top what Iron Maiden done at the three arena there. Like, but it's Guns N' Roses. And me and my kid brother, we booked camping. So we have, going we camp and we're camping on the Friday night and the Saturday night and we're getting down, We're getting down late on the Friday night, which is a problem because we thought, I'll be alright, we'll put the camp and go down the Friday night. Oh, class, few beers, brilliant. I'm gigging on Friday night and he's doing photography at some fucking photography show, uh, which I think is just a bunch of guys running about taking photographs of each other all night. So, click, click, click. Yeah, hi. Fucking photograph conference, click, click, photo, yes, go. Ah, oh, you take a photograph of me, I take a photograph of you. Yeah, photographs. He's doing that. And uh, so we we're not going to get down in the campsite until about 11, half 11. I was like, I'll oh, be fine, be no bar, class. And then we realised that me and this idiot. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, but you are a right Me and this dick, my brother, are going to have to be in a field at half 11 at night, in the dark, putting up a tent. Like, me and him struggle to put up a fucking poster. You know what I mean? We're gonna put up a tent in the dark, so I can. St- I have images of us sleeping in the cars because we're been in two separate cars. I see images of us sleeping in the cars on Friday night. So I can't wait. I cannot wait for Guns N' Roses on Saturday. I will tell you all about it next week when I do another one of these. Because I'm not as busy. Well, I am busy at the minute, but I s- you know how hard is it to fit in half an hour to talk crap in an empty room and then put it on the internet for nobody to listen to. See if anybody listens to this, could you tweet me and go, yeah, I listen, I listen to this, keep doing them, they're decent. You know what I mean? And the thing is, I've got a new game. I've got a new game. How long have I been talking to you. 17 minutes, right? I've got a new game that I'm going to try doing on this every week. Okay. Uh, it was an idea given to me by an American comedian I was chatting to. He said, do this. And like, oh, that's a good idea. Uh, it's called Wiki Roulette. Okay. Now, you're going to hear me <laughs> clicking away and typing and stuff. The way Wiki Roulette works is this: you go to Wikipedia. I gotta move the chair. Here. You go to Wikipedia, right? And you, you go into it, obviously. Now, if you look at Wikipedia, when you go into Wikipedia first, you've got today's featured article, which today is the Flying Eagle scent. It's a one-cent piece that was struck by the mint in the United States as a pattern coin in 1856 and released for circulation on May 25th, 1857. There you go. It is the 100th and 60th anniversary of the flying eagle scent today. There we go. Now, this isn't wiki roulette. This is just me chatting shit. Hang on, do I check that? So, it's 2017 minus... 1857, 160 years, 160 years of the flying eagle scent, which was of course an 88% copper and 12% nickel uh, alloy, uh, because they wanted a new smaller scent, and after the mint produced patterns with an 1856 date and gave them to legislators and officials, Congress formally authorised the new piece in February 1857. So strictly speaking, hang on. How could it be released into circulation on May twenty-fifth if it wasn't authorized until eighteen fifty-seven? Hang on. But the only thing there's a large cent in circulation. After experimenting, well, after experimenting with various sizes, hey, <laughs> make your own jokes. I thought something Anyway, right. So, oh, they they used it to replace the colonial Spanish silver coin. That had circulated in the US. I love... This. See, when they talk about money like that, they go, oh, it circulated in the in the US. It sounds really fucking sinister. You know I mean? Like, oh, it circulated the place. The Spanish... The Spanish colonial... colonial oh, it's It circulated the... It's it, it, it circulated around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It ran in circles. I'm sorry. Right. We get the fuck rid of it with a flying eagle scent. <laughs> uh... Anyway, and, like, did you know that the Botticelli's four panels with scenes from Life of Saint Zenobius are split among three museums? Oh, fuck off. Who gives a shit about that? Let's see. On this day, what else happened on May 25th? Again, this is not wiki roulette. This is just... So, on this day, on the 25th of May, uh, in 1810, the Primera Junta, which was the first independent government in Argentina was established. Very good. Star Wars, ooh, there you go, Star Wars, a science fantasy film written and directed by George Lucas was released, eventually becoming one of the most successful films of all time, so there you go, the 25th of May, two of my most favourite things, Celtic and Star Wars, have a thing, isn't that fucking brilliant, that's class, oh by the way, the other thing that happened actually, and I to think about it since last time I've done one of these, was me and Mrs McHugh are now married 14 years, uh, I didn't, ah, uh, what do you hear, Wait till you hear. I bought her a new laptop and I got her a lovely card. And on the card, it's in the front of the card, I got it made by that moonpig crut. And on the front of the card, it said, uh, Dear Mrs. McHugh, on our anniversary, I have a gig. And it right, was a photograph of me in her in the front. Because <clears throat> she's always said, I don't care what we doing on our anniversary as long as you get me a card. Alright? As long as there's a card, I'm happy. Whenever we do on our anniversary, as long as there is a card. So I thought it would be funny to give her a card saying I had a gig, right? But it didn't have a gig, I was joking. So in the front of the thing, it said, don't really have a gig. I just said, on our dear Mrs. McHugh, on our anniversary, I have a gig. And then when you open the card, it said, I don't really. Which meant, I don't really have a gig, but I wrote, I don't really. And then underneath, I had put, love you. So I gave Mrs. McHugh, for her 14th wedding anniversary, a card, which on the inside had the, had the print. I really don't, underneath that, love you. I give her a card and said, I really don't love you. I didn't get a fucking card. You know what I mean? So even though I I insulted her and her card, I didn't even get a card. I didn't even get a present. I got nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. Not not, not even a fucking smile and a kind word, I'll tell you. Anyway. Uh, Right, so, wiki roulette. The way it works is, you go on the Wikipedia and on the... Left-hand side of the screen, there is a button that says "Random Article." So the idea is, is right, this could go, Jesus wrecking the place. This could go horribly wrong, right? Horribly wrong, because I'm gonna click "Random Article," and then I'm gonna attempt to talk about it for whatever length of time I talk about it. And uh, now the rules are that I have to talk about that particular thing, right? I can, I'm allowed Now, I'm allowed to click links within the uh, random article I'm in, okay? So let's say we're talking about a train station, and one of the links is to the train station next on the line after that. I'm allowed to click that link and move into that, but uh, it, it all has to come from the original article. So, introducing Wiki Roulette to the Town Q Saying Words podcast. Uh, here we go. Random article. Kenneth McGriff. Kenneth McGriff. Good old McGriff. Uh, Let's see, who is McGriff? Before I start taking the piss, let's find out who the hell Kenneth McGriff is. Oh, probably shouldn't be taking the piss out of Kenneth McGriff because he was known to his enemies and friends as Kenneth Supreme McGriff. Born on the 19th of September, 1960. That is also my wife's birthday. Not 1960, she's not fucking ancient. Uh... She's born another year, closer to the year I was born. But this guy, he was born. He's a convicted American drug trafficker and organised crime figure. We'll see. So he came to prominence in the early 1980s when he formed his own crack distrib- distributing organisation, which he called the Supreme Team. This is mental. I mean, like you, you, know, you, 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 go, you run about and uh, like you're breaking the law and you're making drugs and stuff. You just fucking do it quietly. You don't give them superhero names. Like, right, guys, we are the Supreme Team. Oh, my God, will we be fighting crime, Mr. Supreme? No, we're going to be making crime. Now get in there and make some crack. The, the gang numbers... Oh, no, the gang numbers swelled... So the Supreme Team, right? The gang numbers swelled to hundreds, and they came to control the crack cocaine trade in the Baisley Park houses. Right, so Baisley Park Houses, let's have a look and see what that is. So for this, what we do is we go, open Lincoln New Tab, right, so let's go. And what we'll do is we'll go to the Baisley Park Houses and we'll see if the Baisley Park Houses make any reference to Ken and Supreme McGriff and the Supreme Team, We'll see. So, it's a housing project in South Jamaica, Queens, made up of eight, five eight-storey buildings with 385 apartments and there is no mention of Griff. Right, so this is the thing, you see, when you read... That and it's like uh, the Supreme Team controlled the cocaine trade in Baisley Park houses, right? You think that's quite impressive for the Supreme Team to control a place. And then you look at it and you go, there was 385 apartments and a thousand people, right? So he had a hundred, hundreds of gang members. So let's say, let's say he had 200 gang members, right? So he had 200 gang members. Baisley Park Apartments apparently had 1,057 people and he'd say 200 gang members. So that is... uh, I'm really crap at maths. He had one gang member drug man. He'd one supreme team member for every five fucking people in the Baisley Park Houses. Mr McGriff, I don't know. Unless you wrote this yourself because it's not... That's, that's not that impressive, really. But anyway, so he was, he was arrested following a joint state and federal investigation and in 1999 pleaded guilty to engaging in a continuing criminal enterprise. And he got 12 years in the clink. And there's no Good Friday Agreement there, so uh, I think he might still be in jail. <gasps> After serving seven years of sentence, he was released in 1994 when he was sent back. At the end of the year and served an hour two and a half. So, why did they let him out? He was sent back to the parole. What fucking way does it work in America? Here, Griff, McGriff, here. So, I go home for a few months. Yeah, I think I do. I go home. I go you home, right? Report back here at the end of the year, right? Back here for fucking Christmas. Two and a half, right? See so you. Fucking. You sent back on parole. Oh, right. No, they didn't just go. Do you want to nip out for a month or two? I'm sure. Get milk. Get milk when you're out. Fucking see you later. Uh, he was sent back to prison on parole violations. He is alleged to have had a hand in the... Ooh. He, he apparently had something to do with murdering Run MC's Jam Master Jay. And he was convicted of ordering the killing of Mob Deep affiliate e-money bags. Fucking e-money bags. What the fuck? He tried to kill Fifty Cent. Persistent rumours that suggest that McGriff felt fifty cent had exposed too much of the drug kingpin in Jamaica, Queens, and the others involved in the drug trade through the lyrics of his song Ghetto Quran Quran Kuran Kuran Ghetto Quran. Let's see if that's true because there's a link to Ghetto Quran. See you're learning. This isn't funny, but you're learning. Ghetto Cran is a song with 50 Cent from his unreleased Columbia Records debut album, Power of the Dollar. That sounded so serious. <laughs> I don't know why I chose that voice for that. Power, Power of the Dollar. If it's fucking unreleased, how can McGriff get annoyed about it? No, you know that song you never fucking brought out? <laughs> oh, the song was leaked. Uh, the song mentions drug dealers from the 1980s in his neighbourhood. Ghetto Quran is produced by Tone of Trackmasters and used as a sample from Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye's duet Stop, Look, Listen to Your Heart. How the fuck can you go and get a Diana Ross song? Stop, Look, Listen to Your Heart. I don't even know if that's how that song goes. And turn that into a song called Ghetto Quran, which is about fucking Supreme McGriff. It it is rumoured that the song and the following music industry blacklisting of 50 Cent by Kenneth Supreme McRiffon and his associates led to the murder of... Fuck me! (coughs) It is not thought by some that Jay ignored the blacklistings by taking the young 50 Cent under his wing and introducing him to the music industry. According to an affidavit by IRS Francis, blah, blah, blah. Well, there you are. There you go. How to stop Look, listen to your heart. How does that, how does that sound? Let's see. Because there's a link for that. Lyrics of this song. If you're still listening to this, you're saying, I know I say that every time I do one of these. Let's see. Oh no, no, baby, you're alone all the time. Does it ever puzzle you? Did you ask why? You seem to fall love, in love and out again. Do you ever really love or just pretend? Oh baby, why fool yourself? Don't be afraid to help yourself. Stop, Look. listen to your heart, hear what it's saying. Stop, look. Don't worry... There you go. Uh, so he wants to take that, which sounds like quite a nice song. I've never heard it. Uh, I've never heard that song, but... It sounds like quite, an, quite a nice song. Uh, he turned that into a song about the drug dealers of Jamaica in Queens. Did 50 Cent. <coughs> uh, I've got my cat, the cat's banging the door out there. He must want something. Let's see. A lot of dead, lot of dead space going on here. So, hang on. Uh, now what's it doing? Right, I'm oh, sorry. The computer playing up there. Right, so back to McGriff, who doesn't. We we we've learned murdered, run the MC, and isn't a big two thousand and seven. I hope Kenneth McGriff doesn't listen to this, because Kenneth McGriff is in. Did that stop recording? It fucking did. I don't know where that stopped recording. Oh no. Uh hang on. I fuck it. Don't care. I hope he doesn't listen. I don't know if all the chat I've been doing about Kenneth McGriff is still in there or not now. It stopped recording again. And there's it going again. (gasps) It won't record when I have another window open. Why is it doing that? That's strange. Or is it? Oh no! I don't know what the fuck that thing's doing. Uh, So I don't... (laughs) Anyway, I hope Kenneth McGriff doesn't listen to this. Not that this is entertainment, not that anything about this is entertainment. But anyway, young Kenneth McGriff, or old Kenneth McGriff, in Colorado. It's a supermax prison. Fuck me. Prison named after a burger joint in Ireland. Christ almighty. The roulette, which I think we can all agree was a fucking disaster. Uh it is. And uh, like I said, every, every time we do this, we play it out with a bit of music. So uh, we're going to play it out with a bit of music now. What have we got? Here we go. Nothing wrong about this week's choice. time. Stop, look, and listen to your hearts. <laughs> listen, thanks man for listening to us. I'll do another one next week. It'll be more like a pitying me, lad. Fuck it. Uh, I'll speak to you soon. <laughs>